Greetings everyone, this is Justice Technology Professionals and uh, wanted to really uh, maybe dive in a little bit on this episode somewhat about different and various science, supposed scientific evidence and analysis that are presented at trial by the prosecution that sometimes isn't as accurate or as scientific as they really want the jurors to believe. And I was watching a show which I honestly recommend everybody to give it a, uh, to give it a watch. It's on uh, Netflix. It's called Exhibit A. And there was one quote in the show that actually really, really stuck out to me. And I, I'm just going to play that because it's powerful and it makes a lot of sense and, you know, you can really relate to it. If you have a science that is misunderstood, that science becomes like magic. And that's what makes it very, very dangerous. I think that, you know, says a lot. I mean, when you think about it, you know, when you, when, and I think that's the, the picture that the prosecuted, prosecutors try to paint sometimes to the jurors. Um, they know that the jurors don't understand it. And they do try to make the science like a magic. And by not understanding it, that's almost what it is. It's so, it's so out there and, and they don't have a grasp of how, how it works. And to them, it appears to be magic. It appears to be uh, factual. And it, it appears to be a case where you can't argue it, you can't dispute it, uh, the way they're explaining it. That that's how it goes, and you know, case closed. That's it. And it is very, very dangerous to to put it that way. And the problem that I that I notice that happens far too often, for some reason, uh, defense attorneys or um, uh, you know, uh, strategists that are on the team decide to not focus on looking at the issues at hand and how they could counteract it. So if the other side of the prosecution is bringing in a, a uh, DNA expert, a uh, blood spatter expert, a uh, Godiver dog expert, uh, t- touch DNA, video forensics, there's always going to be an expert on the other side of that, cell site uh, expert. There's always going to be an expert on the other side of that. There's always going to be an expert that could tell you what kind of things that could happen to taint those studies, to taint those results. And that's what's so important for jurors to understand. They can't just see one side of these things. You know, they they can't just see one side of how DNA transfer works. They can't just see one side of how cell site technology works. They have to have a good grasp of the science behind it and how the science can be flawed and how the science can be errored and how those presenting it or collecting it could make errors and how, how things could be contaminated, um, how videos, it may not always be the way it, it appears. You know, you may see something on a video and there's a lot more to it. I mean, um, I don't want to keep going back to the show and just keep talking about this show exhibit A, but they have four segments on it. They have video forensics, they have blood splatter, uh, cadaver dogs, and touch DNA. And they actually go through each segment and they show how all these different supposed uh, science 
sciences that are that are factual and the government gives off the impression that they are factual and there's no denying it that's not the case there's a lot of things that could happen that could change the results there's a lot of outside elements there's a lot of mishandling there's a lot of different ways of reading the results that could truly impact that and when the defense fails to exploit that or to question that or to bring in their own rebuttal expert you have to bring somebody else in on the other side to explain that you can't just build your defense on you crossing an expert and trying to exploit holes me personally I just don't think it works I just don't think it's powerful I you know I, I try to take myself out of being on the defense side and if I'm sitting in the juror and the jury, I, I would wanna, I would wanna hear the other side. I would wanna hear the legitimate reasons why these things can be flawed. I would wanna understand the technology behind it. If if you're trying to tell me that cell sites aren't as accurate as the government's trying to tell me they are, I wanna understand why. I wanna use my common sense to see what is more practical and what makes sense. And that. Being at trials, I see that's not done as often as often as it should be. The defense has to put a case on, you know. And in the trial, the the judge will always say to the jury, the the defense does not have to put on their their own um, case. They're innocent to proven guilty. The burdens on the government. That's really not true. That that's not reality. Uh, you, ha- you know, God forbid you're in a situation where you're fighting for your life. Throw that all out the window. You force your attorney to put on your defense. You force him to call witnesses. You force him to call rebuttal witnesses. You force him to call experts that could help your cause. Uh, it's just, it has to go that way. Every time it, it hasn't gone that way, I've seen, un- unfortunately, poor results, not favorable results. And then after the fact, you come up with all these things of woulda, shoulda, coulda. And it's honestly, it's trying to be uh, ahead of the game. And and it's really trying to have all these things mapped out, laid out prior. So when the time comes, you're ready to go. And in the the criminal justice system, you'll notice you do have a lot of time for preparation. I mean, there's a lot of delays... You have a lot of time to get to trial, but the mistake I see that some defense teams make is they put things off a lot. You know, they, they almost look at it like, well, we have a lot of time for this, so we're going to hold off, we're going to wait, we're going to schedule that, and that's a huge mistake. That's a huge mistake. You need a team with you that could be working every step of the way so you're not playing catch-up when the time comes. This way you're more than prepared. I touched a little on it on the opening episode about the discovery and going through that. And when you're handed these these hard drives and you have terabytes of data on it, thousands of files, there's a lot you have to do there. I mean, to make things a little easier, I have my own system uh, where I try to, you know, convert and I do some uh, character recognition on the documents. This allows us to search keywords, things related to kind of separate and segregate um, what we're trying to, to look at, what we're trying to focus on, whether it's our defendant's name, so we want to make maybe a file with all references to that defendant, his or her name, and we want to go through each, each of those line items. And all of that discovery comes way before 
what they call the 3500 material, um, which in a federal trial, you know, that's, you don't get that in that far of advance where you have a lot of time. I mean, it's almost intentional, in my opinion, where it's given to you maybe a couple weeks before the start of trial, and you're talking thousands of pieces of paper, and a lot of it's handwritten notes, so you physically have to go through it. You can't even use technology where you could try to scan and search words, and a lot of it's just handwritten notes, and I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but sometimes that handwriting seems like it's almost intentionally really bad. I have horrible penmanship, so I can't I can't knock it, but some of it's really hard to make out. Uh, that's why I type everything. Everything I do, I type. Um, so you're already going to have to deal with that come trial. You're going to have to deal with your exhibits or your trial exhibits. You're going to have to put those all together. you got to get them in... The way, you know, we do things, we put everything in binders, we put them in order, we tag everything, and it's it's a lot, a lot of work. I mean, last trial, it was over, I made two sets, and with the two sets of the trial exhibits, it was over 15,000 pieces of paper. I believe each set was eight binders, uh, large binders, they hold up to like a thousand sheets, it was, it was something crazy, uh, but it was it was a lot, a lot of paperwork, and it's a lot of meticulous detail but you need to do it to have it right you have to have those things ready to go for the legal team they got to have those binders in front of them they got to be able to flip to the pages of the exhibits organization is so key when you're fighting these cases it really is such a key thing to keep to keep uh, together and to keep nice and organized and have a nice system this way it's not chaotic in the courtroom when you're trying to find certain things and the preparation is just really intense. And and that's why I, I kind of alluded to it on the first episode. You know, from the second you start getting in your discovery, you really got to start going through your case. You can't procrastinate. You can't assume the jury, the um, defense, your attorney is handling everything. You got to stay on top of them. If you have a firm similar to mine involved, where we're the middleman and we're assisting the Attorneys, you know, reach out to the firm. Find out what's going on. If the attorney is too busy, which is understandable. You know, the the attorney is working on the case. They're, they're heading the case. They're building their strategy. They're, you know, uh, <clears throat> trying to find out about the witnesses. They're doing what they can. They're trying to find out about the case. So that's understandable. But it's not an excuse to not communicate with the client. Uh, get get somebody who will do that. You know, get a, get a, a point person. Get a point person who will fill them in, who will get back to them. Give them a heads up. This way they could relay ideas back and forth, try to meet. With technology today, it's it's very easy to have meetings. I mean, between, you know, um, talking on the phone, uh, video chatting, things like that, it's, ve- it's very easy to have interactive meetings without physically being at the location just to keep the defendant and or their family in the loop. And that's, that's a huge a huge point of trying to make certain you're getting the best possible defense. You got to stay involved. You got to voice your opinion. Sometimes you got to fight for things. And listen, the, the attorneys know best. They, they really do. If you have a good, solid attorney, they know best. But they will be open-minded. You want an attorney that will at least hear you out. And then I know for myself, I'm the type, I may have some ideas that to me, they're a really good idea. They're a really good strategy. But I have to 
pretty much go with what the attorney says. If I suggest something and he gives me a legitimate explanation of why that's not the proper direction, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But when you get somebody who doesn't want to hear it and they just, you know, I, uh, I'm calling the shots. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that. That's a problem. Everybody should have a voice. Everybody on the team should have a voice. Uh, you know, and you have the one, the the lead attorney, he's making all the calls, obviously, but he should be a little open-minded. You, he should he should listen to, to you. And he should listen to what you have to say. And he should listen to different ideas and strategies because the more the more people you have throwing and the more quality people you have throwing ideas out, coming up with different ways of looking at things outside of the box thinking, that's really how you can enhance your fight and how you can enhance the intensity and how you know you're prepared you're going to prepare yourself for whatever's coming up you're not going to be blindsided you're going to understand the facts or the evidence they have against you or the evidence they don't have against you you're going to understand it by going through it having a good handle on it and that's really another important factor to get to get a handle on when you get these hard drives they're in crazy format, and honestly, I think purposely a lot of bloatware is put on them. I mean, they'll put a lot of bloatware for programs to open up the different items that are on there. A lot of unnecessary information is on there to really overwhelm somebody when they plug they plug in the hard drive and all you see is all these icons everywhere, and they're all mixed up. Some of them don't even have labels, and you got to have somebody who knows what they're doing to go through it, and that's like really where. <clears throat> we excel, you know. My, uh, I've my team's really good at that. I'm, I'm I have an act for that. So whoever you have handling that, you got to make sure they can make it easy to follow, easy to to organize and and laid out in the proper way where you could benefit from it. Because with all that information, if you don't have it in a nice organized manner, it's going to be a problem. And the scary thing is things could get lost. Important, important aspects could get lost. Things that could really help your case could get lost. Not by anybody's fault, just for somebody not being capable, somebody not having the skill set, somebody not explaining properly to the attorney what to look for or what they found or what they or what they uh, uncovered. And that's why it's really important that the attorney is open-minded where somebody doesn't feel hesitant to share something they found because they don't want to deal with the, the negativity or the I don't want to hear you right now type mentality. So the dynamic is very important. And that's one thing I, I don't see, um, I see as a problem, to be honest with you. I see a lot of attorneys who blow their clients off and, you know, take the position, well, I know better. And, and that that's, it's really unacceptable. Again, I said it in my first episode. As a business owner myself, as a human being, I don't, I don't want to be blown off. Nobody should ever be blown me off. I respect everybody. I respect everybody's opinion. I'm not better than anybody, but nobody's better than me. You know, I treat everybody the way I, I would want to be treated. With respect, I want to hear what you have to say. But you start blowing me off, you start making me a non-issue, you know, that, that's that's a problem. That's that's not going to fly, and that shouldn't fly for anybody, especially especially the client. You're the one who has the problem. You're the one who's dealing with the situation. So don't ever feel hesitant to voice your opinion, say your ideas, jot down notes, have your family involved. That's a very important aspect of it when you're when you're involved and you're going through it because it's it's extremely taxing on everybody. I mentioned cell site 
and um, how some actually refer to it as a junk science. But then you get some cases where they make it as as if it's etched in stone. And I wanted to read a quick a quick little um, blog from a forensic expert. He's a mobile forensic expert. His name is Andrew Garrett. And I work with Andrew on uh, a few cases. Uh, our firms work uh, with one another, and um, Andrew's able to assist my firm with several things, and and uh, we try to uh, get his expertise on, on on a few matters. And I just want to read this to you because it is it, it's pretty enlightening. the The title is "Determining Location of a Mobile Phone: Is It Junk Science?" I often work on cases involving location-based services and global positioning. I worked a case where the FBI provided coverage maps for cellular coverage that was very misleading and could sway a jury if not fully explained. The FBI expert provided call data records as the basis of a cellular coverage map. Call data records are billing records, but are often used to show the location of a subject's phone based on cellular site where a call was first placed. Creating coverage maps from the longitude, latitude, azimuth, beam, width, and coverage length is a gross misrepresentation of evidence. The only data that can be used to show real coverage is created by an RF engineer for the mobile carrier and is known as a sector map and sometimes Nelios. Nelos, I think I pronounced that incorrectly, Nelos, N-E-L-O-S record. The problem with the mobile operators providing sector maps is that they show real mobile coverage and often do not match the FCC quarterly filings or the advertised coverage that is shown to consumers. The mobile network and virtual operators rarely provide law enforcement with true coverage maps. Instead, they simply swap the true coverage with the planned or engineered coverage area. This is a huge problem, and law enforcement has been relying on this data and went as far as creating their own classes, schools, and certifications based on this junk science. What is even more disturbing is the photos online of the mobile network operator, legal compliance staff carrying guns at work, all wearing khakis and holding law enforcement awards as if they were sworn officers. Just because the engineering team decided to construct a mobile tower and point it in a specific direction does not mean it behaves the way they intended. This is obvious based on the radio frequency propagation map provided to me by U.S. Cellular below. And he has an example of a map on the uh, blog. You can see the light blue shaded area is not a perfect cone or triangle despite the claims made by law enforcement. The courts have have had mixed opinions regarding these misrepresentations. I am going to quote from the order in U.S. v. Antonio Evans, 10 CR 747-3. Special Agent Roschke may not testify concerning the theory of granulization which the count finds to be unreliable. In addition, the estimated coverage areas contained in Summary Exhibit 6 must be removed before the court will admit this exhibit. 
Evans' motions for disclosure of expert evidence under Rule 16 is denied as moot. Whether it is Google or a mobile network operator, having an expert to guide you through the process to obtain the right data is critical when defending a client. So you're asking if we have tested this theory? Yes. Have we tested this in court? Yes. There are many other factors such as environmental, banding, 3G versus 2G versus 5G, but report same tower ID, trunking, Neolos, and weather that can affect coverage as well. This article was written to spark a conversation and is not a full accounting of the wireless ecosystem. And again, this was written by Andrew Garrett of eDiscovery. Um, it's Garrett, Garrett Discovery is the name of this company. And I've worked with Andrew, and he's a consummate professional. He's extremely knowledgeable. Uh, we have worked together. He's, he, knows, he knows his stuff. And it's scary. I mean, when you read something like that, and yet when they don't present these things at trial, and the government brings on their expert. And their expert is going on and on how it's so accurate, how there's nowhere else in the world this person could have been. They had to be at the scene of the crime. Uh, they had to be there because of these cell sites. Meanwhile, it's a junk science. It's a junk science. That, 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 that's concerning. That's a problem. And it, and it goes back to the point, what do you have to do to fight that? You have to bring someone in to rebut that. You have to bring in a forensic expert. You got to bring in a mobile forensic expert. You have to show the other side of this because the jury doesn't know. They're going to hear that one side and they're going to say, case closed. Uh, this supposed mobile expert saying the defendant was there, uh, he had to commit the crime because that's where it took place. And without the proper defense, that's not going to happen. And unfortunately, somebody completely innocent could be sent to jail based on the mere fact that the defense did not call the right rebuttal witness. And that's extremely scary when you think about it. And, you know, these are things that really have to be dissected and the public really has to start grasping. They have to start grasping this. And I'm going to try to pull various, because uh, I don't want to bore everybody to death by reading on and on with these studies. A lot of these studies are very extensive, so I try to... To, to bring some condensed versions just to get the point across. So if you are interested and you want to learn more about it, you could pull it, you could pull the right sources and you could actually compile these things. So if you're in some type of situation or a family member's in the uh, type of situation, you could, you could compile these things to build, to build your case and help your team move it along the way you'd want it to go. And that's, you know, part of actually where we come in and we try to we try to fill that void. But nobody's more important than defending themselves. They got to really try to jump in, uh, take a role, ask questions, and hold everybody accountable. Everybody accountable. If, if I'm part of your defense team, you got to hold me accountable. If you have uh, attorneys part of that team... Who's leading the charge? You got to hold him accountable. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Uh, the left hand must always know what the right hand's doing. So that's just a little bit of the segment for today's episode. I just wanted to kind of open one's eyes on the various types of supposed experts and the damage they could do 
if you do not rebut them and you do not bring in an opposition expert and you do not bring in somebody who could show you the other side and show how all these things that are passed off as fact are, 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 are and can be flawed. You have to show both sides of that so the jury has the full picture and then they could use their common sense and then they could decide if they have reasonable doubt. Without these items, you're not going to give them any reasonable doubt. And that's what it's supposedly about. Um, that's it for the podcast today. Uh, that was the, uh, one of the topics I wanted to touch on. And we'll be speaking soon. Thank you for tuning in.